One of the problems, maybe problem's the wrong word, challenges of having a time of worship like that before you preach is that a lot of what you've got prepared starts to get wrecked. And as we were singing, I mean, it, it all fits, but as we were singing, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Light in the Darkness, it just, I felt burdened for those who don't know that. Just... It just struck me, there are people that we know, that you know, who don't know a miracle worker, who don't know any light in their darkness. They are lost. They may not look lost. They might look like they've got it all together. But actually, on the inside, they are hopelessly, hopelessly lost. The ones who know they're lost are better off than the ones who don't know they're lost, actually. But as we sang Miracle Worker, I just felt God say, there are so many people who don't know me as their miracle worker. There are so many people desperate for a miracle, desperate for a light in the darkness. And you know them, they're your friends, they're my friends. They're the people we come across, they're the people who serve us at the supermarket, they're the people who... Uh, cut us up on the motorway that we get cross with. But they, you know, they're everywhere. Everywhere. And, and it occurred to me, and this is not new, God loves them and has so much compassion for them. His heart breaks for them. Does mine. We will get to what I've got in a minute, but Actually, what I've got to say now is, is useless unless we start to love people and see how God loves people and we start to carry that love for people. You know, we can go out and we can talk to our friends about Jesus, but it can be facts, it can be cold, unless we understand the compassion that God has for people for the people who are lost, the people who are desperate, the people who need a miracle, the people who need a light in the darkness. Unless we catch something of God's compassion for them, we're not going to get any of this. We're not going to understand it even. We're not going to get it right. That's what we need. And... It may be that that undoes us. It may be that we find it difficult to function then. Actually, we need to carry that. We need to carry that in the way Jesus carried it. Because actually, for Jesus, it was so important that he was willing to die. He was willing to go to the cross to see those who needed a miracle worker get one. To see those who needed a light in the darkness, us, because at that stage, we didn't know God, did we? And, oh, wow, I, yeah, I just, we've got to carry something of that. And I hope as I go through what I've got here, or some of it, or all of it, we'll see how we get on, um, that we just catch something of God's heart for those around us. We've heard so much this weekend already. 
We've heard about salvation. We've heard about freedom. We haven't just heard about it, though. We've experienced it. We experience salvation every day because we're saved every day. We've experienced freedom. Some here this weekend have experienced freedom in ways they haven't experienced it before or over things they haven't experienced it before. Healing as well. But the key this weekend to all of that, as Rob said last night, has been the presence of God. It's been the presence of God. And we carry that presence of God wherever we go. To those we mix with. But the question is, who are those people for you? Who are those people that you're carrying God's presence to? Do you know people who don't know Jesus? that you're carrying God's presence to and being able to speak to them and influence them. Now, you'll have got some post-it notes. Um, Hopefully, everyone's got a post-it note. Is there anyone who hasn't got a post-it note? Oh, a few people over there. You'll get one in a moment. So, what I want you to do is write down the name of someone you know who doesn't know Jesus and you want them to. Hopefully, all your friends, you'd like them to. Just one name. Someone you know who doesn't know Jesus. Write their name down on the post-it note. Now, for some of you, you're finding that very easy. For others, it might be harder to think, ah, who do I know that doesn't know Jesus? Now, for some of you thinking, one name? Why are you restricting me to one? Fantastic. But others will find that harder. Now, for now, just keep hold of that post-it note, and we'll come back to those later, but I just wanted you to keep hold of it. Um, Now, it may be that as we go through the next 30 minutes or so, You might want to glance at it every now and then and just remind yourself of what we're doing here. This isn't an abstract topic. This is a topic, this is a thing that is going to affect that person you've written down. This is real for that person. Because you may be the only opportunity they have to know Jesus. You may be the only person they know who's a Christian. You may not be. Actually, by the end of What I'm talking about, hopefully you'll be inspired to make sure you're not the only one, because I've got some ideas. We're going to be practical today, as well as looking at the Bible. Now, last Sunday, we had the wonderful Adrian Holloway, and as I sat listening to him, knowing I was going to do this today, I was thinking, goodness me, how do I follow that? And then people pointed out to me, no, you don't have to follow that. You can just be you. <laughs> but what he did is he shared with us not just the benefits for people, the benefits um, for um, those we're sharing with, but the benefits of sharing our faith to us as well, in an amazing way. But it was incredible to have Adrian with us. It was amazing, and I think there's a growing sense in Jubilee that God is starting to say, you've built some amazing foundations, you've got an awesome culture, you've got so many good things, 
You'll understand my presence. You're going for my presence. Adrian was incredibly complimentary. He visits churches all over the country, and he said loads of them set off on a Sunday morning, they're going for the presence of God in their worship, and many of them don't get there. He said, boy, you guys really did. He, was, he just loved it. So we've got something amazing, but actually what we need now is we need to say, well, this needs to benefit others. We need to be bringing people into faith in Jesus, to know Jesus so they can be sitting with us, standing with us, worshipping with us. That name you've got on the post-it note, how would you feel if that, I don't know whether we're doing this next year, but if we were doing this again next year, what if that person on your post-it note was sitting next to you right in, in this place? standing worshipping. How does that make you feel? It's amazing, isn't it? But that's down to us. And actually this whole sense of, of, of God turning our eyes outwards, that the fact that Adrian could be with us was, it was amazing in itself. He said to us, he tends to go to the same churches often because they support him and he and he goes there, and, and they invite him, and, and he's built up a, a number of churches he goes to regularly. But he felt earlier in the year, God say to him, I want in, you in the autumn to go to churches you've never been to before. And so he knows, uh, he's friends with Steve Wicking, and, and so rang Steve, or, or spoke to Steve, or messaged, I don't know, there's so many ways of doing it these days, um, and said, I'd love to come, would you love to have me? And we went, yes, we would love to have you. But it's God moving pieces into place for the next thing that he's going to do with us. Myself and Pam, before we were here, and others who were, were in the same place as us, were, we were part of a church plant that was very deliberately planted to be outward looking, to reach the community, to just almost ditch other things in favour of doing that. We've got many stories and experiences of what God did in those times. And now we're here at Jubilee. God is moving the pieces into place for us to be outward looking, to reach our unbelieving friends. And as I prepared this, I felt God say this. I felt him say that he's moving the pieces into place because there's going to be a move of God in reaching the lost here in Jubilee. That God is going to change the hard work into fruitful work. He's going to turn stone-cold hearts into warm, receptive hearts. He's going to change you and give you a greater compassion for the lost than you've ever had before. God is on the move and building his kingdom, and we're going to see people saved, healed, delivered, and set free in greater numbers, in greater numbers than we've ever seen before. People are going to be queuing up to be baptised. genuinely believe that that is what God is saying to us as a church. You know, I was thrilled to hear that we're going to have some baptisms yeah. soon. I'm desperate to see baptisms because baptisms mean life, new life, fresh life, growing life, life in Jesus. But how are we going to do this? It's not just going to happen. It needs to be deliberate. And so I want to read you something from the Bible. We are, we've got, we're getting to the Bible. And you won't be surprised to know it's Matthew 28, 16 to 20. I'm afraid I ran out of time to do fancy PowerPoints and things like that. Um, I always seem to run out of time for that. Um, 
So Matthew 28, 16 to 20, says this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Something's just stood out to me here that didn't when I was preparing this. Notice how Jesus came, they worshipped, then they went. I hadn't seen that until just now. We've spent this weekend worshipping and going for God and just getting in front of him. Actually, I don't think any, maybe some have doubted. Some did there. Now we go. Now we take it out. But what I want to bring out from this, other than that, is actually we go in three ways. We go in authority, we go in power, and we go in faith. Verse 19, Jesus announces all authority has been given to him. All authority, not some, not a little bit, not authority for the religious bits. All authority has been given to him. And not just in one place, but on heaven and in, in heaven and on earth. Jesus does not lack in authority. And the authority is given to him by God. And now as the risen Messiah, which is, he's risen from the dead at this point, as the risen Messiah, all authority is then given to him. And what does he use that authority for? All authority is given to me, therefore go. This authority has been given to him to commission the disciples to go, but not just to go, to go in authority, in the authority of Jesus. I have been given authority to go, and so have you. The mission we're on, to see disciples made, to see people saved and added to the church and become totally devoted followers of Jesus, which is what disciples are, is done in the authority of Jesus. There's no greater authority than that. We're sent out to carry on the work that Jesus started. But what does it mean to go out in authority? It means that the spiritual forces that oppose you have no power over you. No power over you at all. We have an enemy who does not want to see disciples made. So you will face opposition, but you don't have to stand for it. I always find when we kick off a new Alpha course, it is the time just before that that I get discouraged. There's no one coming. We won't be able to run it. And then I start thinking to myself, and I know this is going to surprise you, at least I get my Mondays back, you know, and, you know, and, and, and I don't have to prepare anything. I come in from work on a Monday and just put my feet up. And... But we push through anyway, and then by the end of that Monday evening, I'm feeling on cloud nine. I am feeling so good because we've preached the gospel. We've met with unbelief, and the enemy 
has been rebuked and defeated. He's already defeated. We're just carrying on giving him a kicking. It's true. Let's let's keep going. (laughs) But we defeat the enemy not by focusing on him, but by focusing on Jesus. Jesus is the one who captivates our vision and our thoughts and our attention because he has all authority and has defeated the enemy. The second thing authority means is this. Um, If you've ever seen the film Wayne's World, have you ever seen Wayne? Some people will have done, others won't. So they go to a concert and they've got access all area passes and so they just wave them in front of everybody and they get backstage and they go to get turned away and then they flash their all access pass and off they go again and no one can stop them and they end up meeting the band. We have access all area passes. We, that authority that that brings means you can go anywhere and go to anyone to speak to them about Jesus. You have authority. You have an all access pass to anyone and everywhere. Where, where before there's been a sign that says no fishing, no fishing for people here, you can ignore it. You can fish for people wherever you like because you have authority, because Jesus has given you authority, and we carry that authority wherever we go. Not only do we go in authority, but we also go in power. Who do we baptize in the name of? Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Wherever we go, we carry the Spirit with us. He comes with us wherever we are. Even when we don't feel like he's working, he's with us. And he is working. He's preparing the way. When I get up on a Monday, well, any morning actually, not just a Monday morning, and I drive to work, Monday to Friday, I only do that, sit at my desk and I drink my coffee and I don't feel particularly powerful. I don't look particularly powerful, slumped over my PC waiting for it to boot and waiting for my coffee to kick in. God's with me. He's with me in power. The Holy Spirit is there in power. So when you are with people and when you speak, you have a power that you are often unaware of. We carry the presence of God with us in power wherever we are. We carry the power of healing. We carry words of knowledge, words of wisdom. We carry miracles with us. We have all this available to us. You know when you do science and you've got this thing called potential energy? You know, if I, I haven't got anything, but if I lift something up, I've given it potential energy and it could happen at any time, that energy. You have potential energy in the spirit. You, are, you have a huge potential stored up and ready and waiting to be unleashed. You carry that. And actually, you carry it and you affect people even without knowing it. You change the place you're in. Sometimes you're not even conscious of what the Holy Spirit is doing. And at this point, Jill, can you come up? Jill was talking to me about something that happened to her. And I want... (laughs) In terms of just things happening without you realising it. Go for it. 
Um, I was waiting at the school gate um, with my friend. She's having a really hard time. So she was telling me how awful her day had been. And then she turned to me and just said, oh, what have you been up to? And I said, oh, I've just been packing to go away with the church for the weekend. And she turned to me and said, Jill, can I join your church? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she was like, no, I, I would love to be part of your community. I just see the support you give each other, and I just wish I could be part of that. And she said, I've thought about it, and I could do all the religious stuff. I can fundraise for you, but I just can't do the praying bit. Um, and then this led to an interesting conversation. Um, her daughter, who is nearly six, and is in the same class as my daughter, um, she'd been on a uh, church holiday club thing, a summer holiday kids childcare thing. That she'd come back with loads of questions and really fired up about it. She was saying to me, I can't answer her questions. I can tell her what I think from a science perspective, but I don't know the answers. And I feel like I just want to ring you and you can tell her the answers. Um, so it was, I was really excited. I almost wanted to say, Paul, can we run an alpha course in Leamington? Because <laughs> this is a really good opportunity here. But what blew me away um, was this verse in, um, in John, if I can work my iPhone. Um, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another because I hadn't shared my faith. I'd shared my life, but I hadn't shared my faith. And she'd seen you lot loving me, and that has given her an insight, and that has given her something to go, oh, I want to be part of that. So. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. We carry something. We carry something together. And we affect people without even realising it. Because we go in power and we go with love. And thirdly from this passage, and then we'll get on to some practical things. We go in power, we go in authority. And we go in faith. In verse 20 of that passage I read, there's a command to teach them. You see, what Jesus assumes when he says, go and make disciples, is that they're going to go and make disciples. He doesn't say, and then, if you get anyone, what a surprise that'll be, then teach them. He says, no, teach them. There's an assumption there that when they go and make disciples, they will see people saved, they will see people come into their community, and then they'll teach them and baptise them. There's no question in there. There's no doubt in there. It's going to happen. That is what normal discipleship, normal Christian life is. But this is going to happen. Jesus doesn't say, well, you know, you might. It's going to happen. Go and make disciples. What we're being taught here is this is now your normal life. This is now the way of life I want you to pursue. To go and make disciples. To teach them. To baptize them. And the fact is, when we say go, you've already gone. You've already gone. Because you go to where you are. This isn't about going to the ends of the earth, although it might be for some. This is about acknowledging that God has sent you to where you are. Wherever you are, wherever you go tomorrow... It's because God wants you there. It's no accident that you're in the job that you're in. It's no accident the way you spend your time tomorrow. 
unless you're being utterly rebellious to what God wants. God has put you there for a reason, because he wants you to carry his power and his authority there. He wants you to go there in faith that he has put you there. There are no accidents in terms of where God has put you. And there's an expectation here that we will go to those places and do as Jesus has commanded us. But I want to be bold here. Not bold, bold. Very good. Pretty cheap joke, but very good. (laughs) There's an expectation here that this will happen. Are we seeing it happen? Where are the people being saved and added and baptized? Where are the people that need a miracle? And this isn't about guilt or anything like that. This is a call to action to say, are we doing what Jesus has commanded us to do? Are we sharing our faith? Am I sharing my faith? Where are my friends in this? So what I want to do is I just want to give some practical suggestions now. On what we can do on how we can see some of this, some ideas. I know lots of people are doing it already. And for you, I want this to be an encouragement to keep on doing it. For others, you're thinking, well, how do I juggle this with life? Well, I'm going to tell you how you juggle it with life. Firstly, Yeah, don't forget what, I I made this note as Rob was speaking yesterday, don't forget what Rob said yesterday morning. Have we sometimes forgotten what it's like to be lost? For some of us who became Christians as little kids, we don't really understand as much of that. But when I look at some people, and I think Rob said this, look at what I was saved from. Look at, I look at some people and I look at Facebook and see some old school friends and think, wow, God has saved me from going through the things they've been through, things they've got into. Have we forgotten that? Do we know enough people to see what it's like to be lost? But anyway, practical suggestions. There's no set way of doing this, but I just want to throw out a few suggestions. And here's the first one. Get out on the street and preach the gospel. Now, that will strike fear into many people's hearts. It does mine, I will be honest. But we have some great examples in this, in Deepak and Rebecca. And I did check with them before I talked about them. (laughs) I try to do that now, after getting told off by my kids. You always give illustrations about us and never check. Oh, yeah, okay. No, I didn't check that one about my... Yeah, you're right. Oh. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. Anyway, moving swiftly on. (laughs) Apologies. You have to be so careful. (laughs) Where was I? Yeah. So Deepak and Rebecca will often go with their life group 
out into Solihull to pray and just to talk to people and see who's God highlighting for us to talk to. I am in awe of that, I have to say. That is amazing. I tried it before many years ago, and I'm, I, it just petrifies me. But actually, for many of you, you're thinking, yeah, give me some of that. Well, guess what? They'd love you to join them. They'd love you to get out and join them in their life group. Get in touch with them. Go with them. And do you know what? If you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure about that, go with them. Watch them. You don't have to say anything. I'm, I haven't checked this bit with them. but <laughs> Yeah, go with them and watch. And just build some confidence in it and watch them do it. And be alongside them and learn from them. We need some of that. Absolutely, we need some of that. And that is a great way of doing that because we carry God's presence onto the streets. We carry God's presence to people who... They may not know anybody who's a Christian at all. And they may not work alongside someone. So, you know, how do we reach them like that? God wants us to do that. And another way is... And I guess this is the bit I know more about, so I'll probably talk more about this bit, well, I will, is with people we already know. So take your post-it notes out and have a look. Who's on there? Think about how you met them. How did you meet that person that you've written down? Could you meet more people in that same way? Because you might have kids the same age as people. You might have met them through school. You might have gone to school with them or university with them. You might work with them. Now, some may have struggled to put a name down and be thinking, well, I work miles away from Solid Hall. I certainly do. I don't know anybody locally. I don't do anything locally. I don't have time to meet people. I want to bring a couple of challenges here. Do you have time for the commission that Jesus has given you? Do you know we often say, oh, you know, I've, and I don't want to, this is not about making people feel guilty, okay? But if you don't have time to meet unbelievers, what are you filling your time with? <laughs> Jesus said go. That was the very last thing he told us to do. How are you doing it? And how are you making time for it? And if you haven't got time for it now and you don't make any changes, you won't have time for it. You've got to be deliberate. We've got to make time for it. We've got to make changes in our lives that mean I have time for this. You may have to put things to one side. I'll tell you a story about myself. I've probably told this before, so bear with me. Um, early days of a church plant, and uh, it was life group evening, and I got a phone call from someone else in the church plant who said, my neighbour has finally invited me round to his house to watch the football. Will you come with me? And I said, well, you know, I've got life group tonight, and I'm leading it. I mean, that's important, you know. I mean, how are they going to manage without me? <laughs> I know. I knew you were thinking that. I knew you were thinking that. 
And I said, I, I, I can't. I've got to lead the life group. So he went. And uh, Anyway, I got a call a bit later from the leader of the, life group, of the, of the church plant saying, um, why aren't you going? He said, I'm going to change my shift tonight so I can go because someone needs to be there with him because we're here to build relationships. I went, no, don't worry. I'll go. He said, look, the life group will manage without you. I know they will suffer. This is genuinely what he said. And I know the martyrs in heaven are going to be astonished at how much suffering you're causing here. This is how he spoke to me. I went, all right, all right, I'll go, I'll go. I think they had a better time at Life Group without me. But actually, I went round his house, I watched football with his neighbours, and over the years, I did that lots and built relationship with his neighbours. What I'm saying in this is, Sometimes even church things need to be set to one side. I was so set in my ways of doing church that I forgot to be the church to my friend's neighbours. I don't come out of that well, do I? Sometimes we need to do this. We get into patterns of doing things and totally miss what God's doing. If we're not seeing our friends saved right now, then carrying on in the same way is not going to change that. We need to make deliberate life choices in order to see things changed. But guess what? It doesn't have to be hard. It can be fun. If you're thinking, it's really hard, I don't know how to meet people then think of this. What do you enjoy doing? What do you enjoy spending your time doing and then go and do it with others? So there are some guys here who play football on a Monday night. They play football. I don't, because I don't enjoy playing football. But they play football because they enjoy playing football. And they play football with the most of the crowd, if I'm right in thinking, are not Christians. Is that right? A lot of them, yeah. So, you know, Rich has organized that. That is the kind of thing we're talking about. A whole bunch of people playing football together, building relationships. It's not a chore because they want to play football anyway. It's really normal because their friends want to play football and they're meeting people and building relationships and they're carrying the presence of God with them. It's not difficult. It just needs us to have a think. So we've got the studio at the church where Bernice does craft with people. And all sorts of people come in and do craft there. She does it because she loves it. And she meets people. One of my closest friends I met because we had kids of the same age, but we didn't see each other that much at the time. And then he got a bike. And we started cycling together. Now we will, uh, not so much now I've moved to Solihull, but we still try and meet up. We can go out for four hours and ride together. There's a lot of talking that gets done in four hours. We've been on holiday together, cycling, three of us. You know, building relationships, even for someone like me who doesn't think he's very good at building relationships, actually isn't that hard when you find a common thing that you love doing together. It's brilliant. It's really no hardship. So what do you love doing? Think about it, prioritise it, join a club, and if there isn't one, start one. When I was in... Bromsgrove, I got a telescope, and I love looking at the stars. And I went onto the internet, 
and saw in Bromsgrove there were some other people who did that, but only one or two, so I... <laughs> Hang on. No, 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 no. It's not the end of the story yet. Just wait. You'll be surprised. I was. <laughs> Everybody was. <laughs> so, so I... I just emailed this guy, thinking, I don't know what will happen. He emailed me back and said, I've been thinking of starting a club. Let's get together and start one. So a week later, I was sat in his kitchen with another guy, three of us, never met them before, planning how to start an astronomy club. And we did. It's still running now, 12 years later, with over 70 members. Yeah, see, there were more. Yeah, see? <laughs> I come out of that one a little bit better. <laughs> and this guy that I started it with, he got invited to speak at a society up in Leicester. I went with him, spent hours in the car going up to Leicester and back, talking to him about Jesus. It, it, it happens because we carry it with us. It, you know, we can do this. We've just got to think about it. And it's not just a solo thing. We can help each other in this. And life groups are a great way of doing this. So we used to, uh, we used to do a barbecue every year in our garden. It's quite a big garden. And, some, and we'd invite all our friends who weren't Christians. Right, Pam used to invite all her friends that weren't Christians. And I, <laughs> I used to tag along. But we knew a lot of people then because we had kids at the same school. And we'd have up to 100 people in the garden uh, barbecuing. But what we'd do is we'd invite people from the church, too, to mingle with them. And relationships got formed. Not just between us and our friends, but people in church and our friends. And then we did an event at, at the church, a big barbecue thing with bouncy castles and all of that. And we walked in and some of our friends were there and we hadn't even invited them. Someone else in the church had invited our friends. But that's what happens, because what you can do is you can find links between people. Well, so-and-so knows that person, and I know that person, and they know each other. So we can get all of them together. And you can start supporting one another in doing that. And believe me, it works. Life groups are not just about getting together in the week to huddle up and getting a bit of respite from the world. They can help with that. I'm not saying we shouldn't have that in them. But actually, they're also about us being out in the community. So we, we've done quiz nights, we've done barbecues, we've done comedy nights, we've done all sorts of things. We even once, um, do you remember digging the path for the council in the park? We made a, they were making a path and they wanted volunteers. And it's still there. We were on the front of the local paper, local church helps lay the path. Lay the path, that could, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There are so many things already happening in your community that you could get involved in. Is there a local litter picking group? I don't know. Find out. Get involved. Get your life group involved. Do it together. Build relationships with one another and with your community. There's so much we can do. There are so many possibilities. We've just got to open our eyes to them and carry Jesus and his presence into them. I need to start wrapping up. I could go on for ages, as you know. Now, I haven't even talked about sharing the gospel yet. But I'm not going to do that because, do you know what? Just talk about what Jesus has done for you. Adrian, 
I, I loved what he said last week about his wife and the fact that she's brilliant at sharing her story with people. But her story's not spectacular. And I think it's been said this weekend as well. You know, many of us have not got these spectacular rags to riches type testimonies. But actually, Jesus has changed us. So you've got a story. What's Jesus done for you this weekend? There's another part of your story. And you can tell that story to people of the way you've changed. We can be ourselves in our workplaces, in our schools, in our communities. And people will see it. People will notice it. Tomorrow morning, people will say to me, did you have a good weekend? I then have a choice as to what I say. Yeah, I've had a great weekend. I've been away with the church all weekend. That blows people, people's minds because they don't know what church is, really. I want us to be a church that takes the Great Commission seriously, that takes the kingdom of God out from here to see people saved, to see people set free, to see people delivered, to see lives changed, to see the brokenhearted restored. We've been given gifts for a reason. We're growing in this corporate anointing and healing that Rob talked about. Let's take it out. It's not for us just to keep hold of. Otherwise, we'll just go grow fat and lazy. Shrink. And this isn't a burden. Please don't take it as a burden. Not in the wrong way. This can be done gladly, with excitement. This could be the greatest adventure of your life. The greatest adventure of your life. A sense of excitement. A sense of, what if? What if that person was saved? Because they know all those people. There's a sense of excitement of what God is doing. And God's will and his purposes will not be thwarted. Get ready for a change in you and in Jubilee. We have to change. God is going to change us. And we're going to be full of people who are baby Christians. And you're going to disciple them. You're going to teach them. You're going to baptize some of them. How exciting is that? That person you've written on your paper, would you like to baptize them? Because if you see them saved, then you baptize them. Seriously, why not? It's what we used to do in the, in the church previously. We'd do that. Who, who do you want to baptize you? I want them and them because they've made a difference in my life. Brilliant. Come and baptize them. Fantastic. You baptize your friends. It's exciting. We're on an adventure. Let's stand. So I want to send us out from here. I want to send us out. It's not about whipping things up or hype. This is about the presence of God coming. As Rob preached so amazingly this weekend, battling through a bad cold and his voice going, and the presence of God was coming, and I thought, how am I going to follow that with what I've got here? Because this is just talking about practical stuff, but I honestly feel and believe that the presence of God is here now. And I want to commission you, I want to send you out by reading Isaiah 61.
if I can get through it. <laughs> so let's close our eyes. Let's hold our hands out. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon you. Because the Lord has and is anointing you to bring good news to the poor. He's sending you out to bind up the brokenhearted. And you are going to proclaim liberty to the captives. You are going to see the prisons open of those who are bound. And you are going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And the day of vengeance of our God. You will comfort all those who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. You will show them a beautiful headdress instead of the ashes that they have now. You will, you will be anointing them by the Spirit with the oil of gladness instead of mourning. You are going to see people who are mourning dance for joy. You are going to help them put on a garment of praise instead of having a faint spirit. And those people who are your friends, they are going to be called oaks of righteousness. They are going to be called the planting of the Lord so that God may be glorified. It is your friends who are going to join you in building up the ancient ruins. They are going to raise up the former devastations. They are going to work alongside you to repair the ruined cities and the devastation of many generations. God, do that in this place. Do that amongst our friends. Let us not just... Let us not just feel that in this moment, but take it out with us as we go. So go now with Isaiah 61 on your lips and in your hearts. Go in the presence of God. Go with all that God has given you and the person he has made you to be to reach the people he has got for you to reach. Don't discount yourself. Because God has made you, because there are people who will be reached through you because of who you are and the way you are and the way you're wired and the interests that you have. You have the interests you have in order to reach the people with the same interests. So go in the name of Jesus and let's see people saved, set free, added to the church, baptized, and let's teach them all that we know in the name of Jesus. Amen.